Welcome back to Mental Health Monday. This is Leslie Reyes, the author of The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle. Welcome to my podcast, Facing Fears and Shifting Gears. This is a podcast about mental health, neurodiversity, and how difficult times in our lives often lead us to the most positive breakthroughs and changes. So today I want to talk about my ninth Zen principle of good motorcycle riding habits, which is to practice good habits often and commit yourself to the process. So this is one of my favorite quotes and it goes through my head quite often. And it is life is what happens when you are busy making other plans. And most people have heard this saying by John Lennon, but it was actually um, first quoted by somebody named Alan Saunders. And was made famous by John Lennon. So I honestly feel like um, good habits and keeping ourselves organized is the most important thing in our lives to feel grounded and mentally stable and also to pursue our goals and be successful. Because you could be a genius and nobody ever will benefit from your gifts or your knowledge because your habit, your daily habits and the lack of structure in your life are preventing you from being able to give your gifts to other people. So I, I want to talk a little bit about how I was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. You know, it took a while. It was like a two-year process. And it was finally made official when I was 52 years old. And... There is something that a lot of people who have ADHD and autism, and even if you don't, you might struggle with something called executive functioning skills. And I did not know before my diagnosis my entire life that there was something called executive dysfunction. And a lot of people who are suffering from executive dysfunction, which is the inability to just execute the daily activities of your life, that kind of keep your life in order. Most people would refer to this as adulting. So when you're on the autism spectrum, you do feel like as the older you get, the harder it is to understand the dynamics of adult adult social situations and adult responsibilities. And a lot of us have heard in our lives over and over that we just need to apply ourselves more. We need to stop being so lazy. Um, but it was, it's always pointing towards that it was a character flaw. And it turns out it is not a character flaw. It is just a neurodiversity. We might be better at putting other things together, you know, big different concepts, um, but have a hard time with doing something as simple as organizing our finances or organizing like a file cabinet, just organizing your life. So I'm thinking kind of of the stereotypical idea of the nutty professor, like he's a a genius and, you know, he can invent spaceships and, and, um, you know, just like, you know, think about like Einstein, like a genius, but like if you go to their house, it's a mess. So once I learned that there was something called executive functioning skills, and I know I've always sort of fit into this category as the nutty professor, where you feel like you're super smart about certain things, 
but completely dumb when it comes to things that other people seem to be doing very easily. The way that I manage my executive dysfunction is I hired an executive functioning coach and I meet with her six, about eight times a month. Um, every other week I meet with her like in the morning because I have a hard time getting out of bed. So I'll have a meeting with her in the morning. We hop on Zoom. I tell her about everything that I want to get done that day. Um, she'll, you know, help me kind of organize better if I'm not quite being realistic about the amount of things I can get done. She's helped me organize my days by days of the week. So like there's a certain day that I work on my creative um, pursuits. There are certain days of the week that I work on my marketing. There are certain days of the week that I clean my house, certain days of the week that I wash my clothes. So there's always like I'm getting in and, and pay my bills too. So there's always like a, there's a structure now where it used to be, oh my God, I have no more clean underwear. It's time to do the laundry. Oh my God, I have no socks. I like, I, I need, I end up buying more socks on Amazon because I had no clean socks. Uh, or, you know, their dishes are so piled up in the sink, like I'm not even paying attention until things have gotten to the point where they're almost overwhelming. So good habits and developing good habits are so important. But I, it's also important to recognize if you have sort of a challenge, if you have been diagnosed as ADHD or on the autism spectrum, or you just find that that is just one of your things. You're a procrastinator. You have a really hard time organizing yourself. I wish I had found an executive functioning coach decades ago. And it's similar to having a therapist, but when you're talking to your therapist, you're working out a lot of things that happened in the past and how they affect your behavior in the present. Um, so if you're dealing with childhood trauma and unpacking that, I used to think that, you know, if I could just unpack all of these horrible things that happened when I was a kid and if I could unpack the grief that I was dealing with by being raised by a schizophrenic mother, that somehow my brain would straighten itself out and I'd be grounded and I'd be a orga an organized and responsible adult like everyone else. And it really doesn't work that way. I'm, some of us just ch have challenges with that. And so you need to reach out and ask for help. Um, unfortunately, I feel like the way that society still deals with this is to kind of unintentionally shame people. Like you need to get your act together, you're flaky, you're irresponsible, you're lazy, you know, instead of addressing the fact that this could be a neurological issue where, you know, certain people, we get overloaded with neurological stimuli and it's very, very difficult. Our brains just don't function in that way where we can intuitively sort of line things up for ourselves. So I'm going to read a little bit from my uh, chapter nine of my book, The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle. So this is Zen Motorcycle Habit number nine. Practice good habits often and commit yourself to the process. How I came to realize the importance of good habits to mental health. Habits. I had a lot of them. Bad ones. Growing up in a household with mental illness, there was no time to create healthy habits. I had to be on the edge of my seat, ready for anything. I had to be ready for the unexpected all the time. There's no point in planning to, to set a routine when it's only going to get disrupted by the latest crisis. So why bother? 
And that's what this entire book is about. How those little seemingly insignificant habits end up making up most of our entire lives. I never paid much attention to habits. Bad habits can make your life look like an addict's, even if you aren't taking any drugs or alcohol. Bad habits can really screw up your life. What are your habits with time, money, relationships? Are you consistent with your habits or not? Do you take care of your future self? Or has your lack of planning ever inconvenienced or even harmed your future self? I can definitely say my unconscious impulsive decisions and poor habits have harmed me due to the lack of planning and focus in the past. Zen happens when we are living life in such a mindful way that mindfulness becomes a habit. When we are in the habit of living mindfully, we aren't worrying about the future or depressed about the past. We're just accepting each moment for what it is. So I'm gonna read you another thing that I wrote in my book. This is in the introduction, but I feel like it really kind of It kind of shows the picture of how this works. So like, let's say there's a person who's in the habit of procrastinating in the morning and we'll call him Bob. Bob gets distracted while he's attempting to get dressed in the morning. Bob's phone keeps dinging and he cannot ignore it. Bob's getting anxious because he's running late for his job interview. He is now distracted by his anxiety from showing up late for the interview. Despite this, Bob gets the job. But Bob is also in the habit of hitting the snooze button in the morning and shows up late for work. Bob also gets distracted at work and is late with deadlines. When trying to meet a deadline, Bob ends up being late for meetings too. Bob doesn't get fired because he's good at what he does. Bob only gets a fraction of a raise during his performance review due to him being tardy with punching in on time and work deadlines. But let's say there's another person named Sally who is in the habit of meditating in the morning. Sally is in the habit of being mindful and she doesn't get distracted when she is getting ready in the morning. Sally is in the habit of turning off the alerts on her phone. She shows up for work early. She shows up for meetings early and she meets all of her deadlines on time. During Sally's annual performance review, she gets the maximum increase in her salary. So how each person did one thing is how they do everything and that is the Zen principle that this book that I wrote was based on. It was based on the fact that I figured out how to create good habits on my motorcycle and realized that I could apply those to pretty much anything in my life. And that is how the concept of how you do one thing is how you do everything works. So if you can change your habits around one thing, it can be contagious and you can start using those same habits in other areas of your life. I think another thing that um, prevents us from creating good habits is tediousness. (laughs) I think like another reason people avoid practicing good habits is because when you're learning something new, it's kind of tedious. When you have to get into all of the little, um, you know, all of the little details of learning something. You know, like now when I ride my motorcycle, there's a lot of things that I don't have to think about anymore because like, I can just do it and I can just really just, and I can really just enjoy the whole experience of being on a motorcycle and seeing like I I live in a farm and area where there's lots of rivers and farms and farm animals. So it's really nice to be able to, you know, just cruise around in this beautiful country area. But um, 
There were times when I was learning how to ride a motorcycle that it was a really tedious process. So even like nursing school, learning to ride a motorcycle was completely different than anything I'd ever done before in my life. It was completely and utterly outside of my comfort zone. So I was gonna have to be in a very focused and committed state of mind in order to do this. And this is not something that I was used to, this is not a state of mind I'm used to being in. I'm kind of like scattered all over the place, anxious. My mind is constantly racing. So this was really, really hard for me to like, it was like, you know, lassoing a wild stallion in my brain, try to calm everything down because I was absolutely determined to learn how to ride a motorcycle. So just like nursing school, learning to ride a motorcycle was completely different than anything else I'd ever done in my life and was completely out of my comfort zone. I was going to have to be focused and committed to the process just like I'd been in nursing school. I was going to have to ask myself, what are the qualities of a responsible, proficient motorcyclist? And I wanted to adopt those qualities. So I decided there are two different kinds of people who ride motorcycles. There's your adrenaline junkie, risk taker, and then there's the gadget geek that really loves learning a new process and deep diving and getting in there and taking things apart and putting them back together. And I'm neither of these. <laughs> I am not, I'm terrified of, of getting hurt physically. So this is so outside of the box for me. And I'm also very impatient. So I'm not really good at, you know, sitting down, stopping myself and really getting into the details of something. I'm like, I just wanna, you know, like when I was in nursing school, I just wanted to be done with it. I wanted to graduate already. And when I was younger and I used to date people, I used to just, I just wanted to know, I wanted to get to the point now, like, are you my soulmate and are we gonna get married? Or, you know, is this, you know, instead of just enjoying getting to know someone, and even if that's not the right person for you, it doesn't, like, they're not your forever person, it still doesn't mean that, um, you know, you need to just like cut it off. <laughs> there might be a valuable lesson that you're learning from this relationship, or you may have a good French friendship in the future. I figured I was a little bit more of the gadget geek than the risk taker, even though I'm impatient. I love looking at all the different kinds of motorcycles. I loved watching videos of motor vloggers on YouTube. And I was learning about, you know, how to maintain the motorcycle. I found a couple of female motor vloggers who were short, like myself. And I really enjoyed learning how they overcame being a short rider, you know, how they overcame the challenge of trying to ride a motorcycle that was too tall for them. And my first motorcycle was too tall for me and I kept dropping it, it was really difficult. I found myself when I was learning to ride a motorcycle just starting to be more mindful in general, like more mindful of my state of mind because I was realizing I couldn't just jump on the motorcycle if, I was feeling really scared and anxious. It, fear can be a, your friend because it could help you to be more cautious and more mindful about things. But if the fear is so strong that it's panic, then it becomes a distraction and it becomes dangerous. So when my husband bought his Harley Davidson and I took my first ride on the back of it with him, and we got home, I was like, man, 
I really want to, I want to go on a longer ride. Like I wanted to get back on the bike. And there were times I was like in the mood for going for a ride and my husband wasn't up for it. So I kind of just got to this point where I was like, if, if I want to ride a motorcycle, whenever I want to ride a motorcycle, I'm going to have to learn how to ride my own instead of begging my husband to take me for a ride on the back. So there were things that I could practice when I was off the motorcycle that I that could improve my riding skills. So it started with changing my habits when I was driving my car. Because that was one thing my, my father and my husband always complain about is that I'm a late breaker. So like I'm like rushing to get to the stop sign and then slamming on the brakes. Rushing to get to the traffic light and then slamming on the brakes. And then realizing like um, you can't do that on a motorcycle. You cannot slam on the brakes. You really have to pace yourself and slowly pull in the brakes because if you grab the brakes, you're going to wipe out and you're going to fall. So that just led me to become more mindful in general. After I was more mindful in the car, I just found myself being more mindful with everything. I started to tell myself to respond to things instead of reacting to them when I was on the motorcycle. And it took me, it took me a while to get over that emotional trauma of grinding myself into the asphalt every time I, you know, miscommunicated to my motorcycle what I wanted it to do <laughs> and ended up on the ground. So I started building up responses to combat my reactions. I'd sit on my bike in the garage with the engine off and working on pulling the front brake with one finger and you know, slowly pressing the back brake with my foot and just sort of getting into a habit of operating the brakes this way while I was off the bike. So it starts becoming a response instead of a fearful reaction, like grabbing the brake and then stop. Because the other thing I was doing when I grabbed the brake on the electric motorcycle was I was, I was actually accidentally hitting the throttle at the same time I was trying to pull in the brake. And it was making the bike take off so fast, I hurt myself so many times. <laughs> Sometimes my mind would go back to my old thinking patterns and I get frustrated because I'm like, here I have this motorcycle and it's three months later and I haven't even left my garage because I'm sitting on the bike practicing my muscle memory skills. But then I have to say, who am I competing with? I'm not in a race. I'm just trying to learn how to ride a motorcycle. I was a nurse full-time during the pandemic when I was trying to learn to ride a motorcycle, so I didn't have a lot of time. I worked 12-hour shifts, so I wasn't gonna get to practice after I worked. So I really only had the weekends in a parking lot to practice. So I finally had to, you know, convince myself and tell myself that it didn't matter if it was going to take me an entire year before I could go on a public road by myself. I needed to respect where I was in cultivating my habits. And if those habits were the proper habits that were strong enough for me to be going on the road safely. Eventually, I did find myself enjoying perfecting all those little skills. Like first it was kind of tedious and boring and annoying, but then I kind of felt like, oh, just kind of like sitting on my bike and looking at it in the garage, you know? 
So I'd make little videos and post them on YouTube. And some of them, actually, I would say my two most popular videos, I'm not just like riding my motorcycle around. One is I'm in my driveway doing um, some skills to help with, you know, if my bike was too tall for me. So there were exercises to do to make riding a tall bike easier for a short rider. And then it, there was also another one of me just kind of riding around a parking lot like one of the first days that I actually took the bike out of the garage. <laughs> and those are the two videos that have gotten the most views and the most watches on my YouTube channel. Um, so, so it's easy to think of Zen as a goal or a destination, like finding a Zen state of mind. I want to get to that Zen state of mind, but it's really something that is actually right there. Like it's right in front of you. When you're truly living with clarity in each moment, then life stops feeling like a to-do list in a series of checklists. Life stops feeling like you're waiting to reach some destination in order to allow yourself to be happy. Zen is actually the most easy and the most difficult thing to do. <laughs> so practice good habits often and let them turn into intuitive responses and you will find yourself in a zen state of mind that you've worked really hard to get to and that you totally deserve so i hope that you have enjoyed this little talk about my zen motorcycle habit number nine practicing good habits and committing yourself to the process there is a book called atomic habits by james clear and i highly recommend it if you are in need of creating some healthy daily habits. And again, if you find that you're struggling with executive functioning skills and creating those habits, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't, don't be afraid to hire a life coach or an executive functioning coach. So this has been Facing Fears and Shifting Gears. My name is Leslie Reyes. I'm the author of The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle. And I hope you will join me next month for my 10th Zen principle of good motorcycle riding habits, which is enjoy the ride. And that will be the season finale for season one of Facing Fears and Shifting Gears. So I hope you will join me for my final episode of season one. And remember to keep looking in the direction that you want to go.